Prescription products require completion of an online medication consultation with an independent healthcare provider through the LifeMD platform and are only available if prescribed. Subscription required. Individual results may vary. Additional restrictions apply at LifeMD.com. Read all warnings before using GLP-1s. Side effects may include a risk of thyroid C-cell tumors. Do not use GLP-1s if you or your family have a history of thyroid cancer. If you've struggled for years to lose weight and have given up hope, did you know you can now access GLP-1 prescription medications through LifeMD? LifeMD is now offering eligible patients online access to GLP-1s, the breakthrough prescription medication that can help you lose body fat and weight. Listen to what people are saying. You just take your shot. It doesn't feel like you're on a diet. What I wasn't expecting it to do was to shut off the food noise. This was life-altering, and if I can do it, I feel like anybody can do it. And here's the best part. Your insurance may cover 100% of the cost of your medication. So go to TryLifeMD.com to have your eligibility checked right now. Get started today at TryLifeMD.com. That's T-R-Y-L-I-F-E-M-D.com. What's the easiest choice you can make? Window instead of middle seat? Picking a vendor who sends a great gift basket? Outsourcing business tasks you hate? What about selling with Shopify? Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real-life store stage, all the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage, Shopify is there to help you grow. Whether you're selling scented soap or offering outdoor outfits, Shopify helps you sell. Wherever and whatever you're selling, Shopify's got you covered. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash try. Go to shopify.com slash try now to grow your business, no matter what stage you're in. Shopify.com slash try. Hashtag no music, no intro. I know on Twitter, Ryan, Ryan tried to try to warn the people, trying to warn the masses. We had something coming and LLC Twitter, we out you, baby. Like, let, let's go. Like, we have a financial advisor, a relative of Ryan's, Mr. Jarrell Butler, hopping on the hashtag Saints Twitter podcast. We, I feel like this episode, I'm going to learn a shitload myself. Like, I am... Excited about this. We're going to talk about LSC Twitter. We're going to talk about the stock market. Um, so first and foremost, Mr. Butler, thank you for coming on the show. Um, tell, tell the listeners, like, your, your credentials. Like, you know, why are we, or why are they listening to you? Sure, sure. So thank you, man. Thank you for having me on the uh, pod. Very, very excited about this. Uh, my name is Jarrell Butler. I am a certified financial planner from New Orleans. Uh, Ryan is actually uh, a close cousin of mine. So um, very, very excited to be here, man. Um, I own a financial planning firm. It's called Millennial Financial Solutions, uh, where we primarily work with uh, people of color, millennials, um, as well as self-employed individuals and making sure that their financial management goals are in line with, you know, the things that, that they want to do. So focus a lot of my time on that. Um, I also have a uh, new lounge that will be opening soon in New Orleans called Creative Lounge. So 
Uh, basically, I'm, I'm, I'm actually more of a serial entrepreneur at this point. Um, financial planning is my background. Finance is my background. Uh, but, you know, I'm, pretty, I'm, a, I'm a pretty well-rounded person, former college athlete as well, um, ran, ran track at Southeastern Louisiana University. So, um, yeah, man, just excited to, to uh, be here. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited to have you, man. Like, I, I was telling you before we got on, I've been wanting to get you on, just kind of waiting on the right time. Uh, I could vouch for you, like, as far as your acumen as a financial dude, like, I, I, I like I said, like, you saved my ass, like, a couple times as far as, like, taxes. I didn't got, I ain't gonna talk about the shit I didn't got into, but he just saved my ass with taxes. Like, he, he knows the game from top to bottom. Like, any question you got, he knows it, and if he don't know it, he'll tell you he don't know it, but he's going to have an answer for you real quick. But I, I, haven't, I haven't even run to the point where he didn't know. Like, if I got a question, Jarrell got the answer. You young cat, like, are you, are you 30 yet? You made 30, right? 31? Yeah, yeah, I'm 31. You're 31. You're a young cat, but, like, all my life, well, ever since I, I've known him since he was a baby, like, literally a baby, always been just super smart, super sharp, always ahead of his class. So, you know, I, I urge anybody, you know, I don't know how you how you looking business-wise if you're looking for clients or not, but if you, you know, if you're in that market, I definitely go holler at, you know, Millennial uh, millennial Financial Solutions and just get in touch with him because, man, he'll help you out with all kinds of stuff. But uh, I just wanted to kick it off, bro. Like, how you how, how you doing with all this, man? Like, COVID-19, you know, the pandemic, um, you know, businesses being shut down, businesses being you know, kind of, you know, it's just, it's just a big shake to the market. You know, everybody's just trying to figure out what to do, how to stay afloat, PPE loans, you know, small business administration loan. I don't know what's going on, bro. Like, <laughs> so how, how has business been for you through all these times? Man, you know what? It's really, really crazy. Cause when you think about it, you know, all of this uh, pandemic stuff for, for us in America really kind of popped off about a year ago when you, when you like really think about it, man. Um, and honestly, bro, like my company has grown so much in the past year. Um, and I can attest to really, you know, a couple of things. One, being in the right type of field, right? You know, being in the, being in the financial services industry in these times, like people are looking at, at you for guidance and for expertise on how to navigate through things like this, right? So um it's really reaffirmed for me that i'm in the right field that i'm impacting others um and then just from a from a growth perspective man like we've been able to just be in position to really um continue to grow and not really um go backwards man like this has been a a, a game changing year professionally for me and I, and I and i know it's weird to kind of say that but yeah yeah um, yeah you know, it, like I, I just kind of feel like I, you know, my company was at the right, was in the right place at the right time, and our services really, um, really has been a much needed asset to help people figure out how to navigate this whole thing, man. Because it's it's been crazy, like you know, kind of like your your point, man. You have businesses that have not opened up since the pandemic, you know, just to kind of draw some contrast, man. You have businesses that are struggling, um, but then on the flip side, you have businesses that have, you know, quadrupled their revenue, you know? So how do you kind of make sense of all that? 
Jeff Bezos, um, luckily, what's up? <laughs> yeah, man. Luckily, I feel like I was on the front end of the pandemic and uh, and like understanding like where the money was going, right? And honestly, I could kind of go back to Hurricane Katrina, Damn. you know. And I remember, you know, how it was for me being 16 years old at the time, and you know, trying to trying to navigate through Hurricane Katrina and like that aftermath. And what I learned was, man, it was people, you know, during Katrina that made a lot of money. Yeah, you know, yeah. if you were in the right type of industry, whether it was construction or um government contracts things like that but i mean i was a little bit too young to like you know take advantage of all that stuff but i always told myself man like like the next big thing that kind of happens to us from a uh a wide-ranging impact perspective like i need to kind of be on the forefront of of everything that's kind of going on so i can be able to pass this information back to our people that's that's so (laughs) I'm thinking to myself, you know, you brought up a good point because I am very quick to admit as a person of like what I, what I don't know. Um, mm-hmm. Stock market, I understand it. Conceptually, I get it. Um, but even then, like I probably would admit like I didn't under really understand it until my late 20s and now, you know, almost 33. And if we, you know, we think about it, and I can't, I can't speak for everyone, but I can just speak for, you know, I think gener- generationally as African-Americans, we don't, it's hard for us to kind of understand that industry because a lot of our families and our parents, grandparents, like that's not how they were brought up, you know? Right. My, you know, my grandma, great, you know, great grandmother were, you know, clean, clean houses of, of, of white folks, you know, to get, you know, as their, as their profession, and so growing up, it's kind of, you know, it was never like taught to you, like stock market and investments and stuff like that. Um, to, but to see someone like like you, young black man, you know, making it, um, it's, it's it's important to, to see that um, because I feel like we as a people also deserve, you know, a place at the table um, in, in that industry. Um, and with that said, you know, we would be remiss if we didn't talk about what everyone's been talking about recently, the last couple of weeks was happening with the stock market, with mm-hmm. the whole GameStop, AMC, DogCoin. I, I don't even know. I, 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 I'm just, <laughs> I, I'm all out. Like I, I, like I said, before we start recording, I invested for the first time in my life last week, last Friday, I think it was. Yeah. Last Friday put some money on AMC, put some money on Nokia. And Saturday I was up $15 and I said, shit, is this easy to make money? (laughs) And Sunday that shit started to drop. And I said, (laughs) it it made me think about the first time I went gambling and I played blackjack and I put, I played $40 in blackjack. And I was really good at blackjack, you know, playing it conceptually. I understood it. And I lost $40 in about three minutes. And I said, I am never fucking gambling ever again. And (laughs) I felt very similar (laughs) last week. So from your perspective, can you talk to us and talk to the people about just 
what the hell happened, what your thoughts on it are, and just everything regarding like the whole stock market Robin Hood thing from from last week. Yeah, man. Uh I mean last week, I mean last week honestly was a game changer for the stock market in a lot of different ways, right? And when I look at the state of things right now, obviously us being in the pandemic, it had a lot to do with what happened with GameStop, right? So yeah, let's yeah. just first kind of like, you know, talk overall, right? And and like kind of understand where we are as a culture right now as it, as it pertains to the stock market, right? So pandemic happens, you know, in March, you know, most, most cities at this time are shut down. We're in quarantine, everybody's bored. It's all type of scams going on. It's it's uh you know join forex. this circle and yeah. forex this and forex that. So obviously people are you know have like time to kind of spend some of their of their time and energy you know learning new things, right? Um, I saw a lot of trainings and video sessions and all that type of stuff pop up over the year on hey, how to trade options and how to trade this and how to trade that. And um, it's exciting from the financial advisor perspective to see so many of us actually take interest now in the stock market. And I don't know if that was because we actually had time to yeah. or, you know, some people were just balling over something. I don't know. But, um, you know, you know, basically, like this has kind of been brewing for a while, as far as like when you think of like black finance, right? Yeah. And this is a trend that you know we've like kind of seen. Okay, more people are like talking about investing, even if they don't know what they're doing, they're talking about it, right? So, uh, fast forward to GameStop, right? So, basically, uh, there's a Reddit board, I believe it's called Wall Street Bets, mm-hmm. and you know, for all we know, this could be a bunch of knucklehead kids from the suburbs who are, who are like nerdy and just, you know, kind of like talk about this stuff all day. I don't know who exactly is, is like a part of that Reddit board, but they started back in maybe no, November a campaign um, to increase the GameStop price, right? It just kind of more so started out, I think of, of, of more like, hey, you know, let's see if, if like we could just, you know, boost the price up and get Google people to join us. Right. So part of the rationale with that is that they wanted to um, basically compete against some of these hedge funds, right? Yeah. So yeah. if you don't know what a hedge fund is, a hedge fund is simply um, a group of investors who give money to this fund. Uh, a lot of money. A lot of money. A lot of money. Let's let's be clear. Uh, we're like we're like talking millions of dollars at this point, uh, you know, per investor. Let's say, and they entrust this fund and the fund manager to grow their investments as much as they can. Right. So a lot of hedge funds are pretty risky um, in terms of like, hey, you know, they don't invest like traditional mutual funds and index funds. Like they're looking for big swings. Like they're looking for like big wins, right? Yeah. So uh, some of the analysis that a particular hedge fund did, uh, I believe it was Melvin Capital, um, they decided that they wanted a stock. I mean, game stock, sorry. So yeah, yeah. 
you know, to what a uh, short sale is, let's just kind of talk about all of the all of the different things you can do in the stock market, right? The first thing is, you know, most people buy stocks, right? So right. you're you're buying a a share of a company, right? You're buying right. a piece of ownership into a company, like that's the first basic thing. Um, right. You can also sell stocks, right? So if you have possession of a stock, you can sell it at a certain price or with the market price or if someone wants to buy it at a particular price, right? right. Um, then there are things such as options, right? So, um, which is simply saying you have the option to buy or sell a stock. So you may not, you may not necessarily own the stock, mm. but, you're, but you may enter into a contract to mm. buy a stock at a certain price, right? And, uh, you know, most people have been kind of learning more about right. the options you- market. Can you, to pull up Michael Scott, can you explain an option to me like I'm five years old? Sure, sure, absolutely. So, um, again, an option is the right to buy or sell a stock, right? So, for example, let's, let's um, look at Apple stock, right? If I believe fundamentally that over the next couple of months, Apple stock price is going to go up, I'm going to buy what's called a call option, Right. Call means that you believe that the company is fundamentally better than what is priced at right now. So you want to be locked in to purchase this stock at the price it is now. And then once it grows over the next few months, you can sell it at the new price and make a profit without actually ever buying the stock. Right. Gotcha. Um, so that's a, that's a pretty popular play when it comes to options. The other um, the other decision you can make as it pertains to options is, let's say you think the price of Apple stock is going to drop in, let's mm. say, six months, right? Like you're pessimistic on it. You think Apple is overrated. I got an Android. I'm balling. Fuck Apple. And oh, you want to say, hey, <laughs> <laughs> you know, look, I think Apple's going to drop. So then you would do what's called a put option. And a mm. put option simply means Hey, I think that this price is going to drop over over time, but I want to be able to sell this stock at the at the current price, right? So if yeah. you think it's so, let's say Apple right now is currently one thirty, right, and you think it's going to drop to a hundred dollars, you want to you want to get a put option because hey, even if the price drops to a hundred dollars, like they ha- like. Once you get the stock, whoever buys your your contract has to purchase it at that original one hundred and thirty dollar price. And you get the so you actually make profit. Right. right, you actually make a thirty dollar profit. So um, that's that's what you know. People who who don't necessarily believe in a in a current stock price for the for the company, they make money that way. All right. So now let's talk about short selling, mm-hmm. right? So short selling is when a investor borrows a stock from the brokerage, right? So when I say brokerage, this, these are the companies that allow you to like make trades, right? So mm-hmm. your Robin Hoods, your TD Ameritrades, your Charles yeah. Swabs, et cetera, Fidelities, those are considered brokers, right? Um, you can actually borrow a stock from the broker and then immediately sell it to get, to get money, right? So 
people will short sell if they think a stock price will drop. It's very, very similar to having a put option. The main difference is you actually have the stock, right? You have yeah. control of the stock and then right. you immediately, immediately sell it to, you know, get money, right? So basically people who will short sell stocks, what they're, what they're betting on and saying, hey, in GameStop's example, I think their price was like 12 or $14 or something like that um, a few months ago, right? Let's say, hey, this hedge fund thinks that GameStop's price is going to drop from $14 to $7. So I'm going to short sell it. I'm going to borrow the stock from the brokerage. I'm going to sell it at the current price, which is $14. And then, you know, later on, you have to return that stock to the broker, right? But if the price drops and, and, and you can go into the market and get it at $7, okay, bam, I just purchased that stock for $7. I'm going to give it back to the broker. I still made a profit because right. the price dropped, right? Now, what happened in all actuality with GameStop was these traders on the Reddit board actually gained a lot of momentum and were able to continue to purchase GameStop. And what happens is when you have a high volume of a certain stock, um, it's increasing the stock price value, right. right? So next thing you know, the price is doing the opposite of what the hedge fund managers thought it would do. And then word got back to Twitter, to LLC Twitter and you know Facebook and all that type of stuff. And next thing, everybody started piling in and said, hey, like, hey, you yeah. know, we're like trying to run this price up. So essentially what happened was GameStop got up to like 400 and something dollars. And guess who has to go purchase it at 400 and something dollars? The hedge Man. funds that shorted it, right? So instead of them making money on a, on a company like GameStop, now, now they have to go out and purchase these GameStop shares at like 20 times what they thought the company was, was our worth, right? So and now these hedge funds losing billions of dollars at the right. hands of kids who are, you know, just who just wanted to run the market up. Right. Now, I want to stop you right there. It's like, we're talking about it as an individual share, but these hedge funds, like to even get in the hedge fund, you've got to come with like a half a million. You know what I'm saying? So. Facts. You're talking about millions and millions of dollars worth of shares that they're going in with this, thinking that they could profit off of it. But when that share is being, when those shares are being bid up like that, like their losses could be pretty much infinite. Like there's no, no, yeah, it's unlimited yeah. because I mean, it's part, I mean, just, you know, mathematically, I mean, it, it could go up, you know, who knows? Like, of course, it's going to stop at some point, but right. they don't know when it's going to stop. I mean, it went from, you know, ten dollars, eleven dollars to four hundred something dollars. Like I, I was looking at that. I was like, I have not, like I don't game the stock market, but I watch it a lot. I'm like, I've never seen nothing like this in my life. I've yeah, never man. seen this. <laughs> it was, I mean, crazy. it was it was like crazy because you know, like you said, right? Like you made a really good point. Short selling has the potential for unlimited losses, right? Because, like you said, like a stock price theoretically could go to infinity, right? You know? Um, there isn't like like a stopping point, you know. So it is very risky to to do a short sell. That's probably like one of the riskiest investments in the in the stock market is to short sell a stock. 
for that very reason, right? If you do a call option and let's say like the price doesn't go up, like the only money you, you lose is the money you paid to buy that option. Uh. That's it. Like it's a limited loss, you know? So, you know, you may not hit on one of the options that you purchase, but hey, you only lose the money you put in. But in in a event like short selling, I mean, the losses could be unlimited. So what happened was um, the retail investors, which retail investors just mean regular people like you and me, right? Yeah. Um, the retail investors ran the price up so much with GameStop that the hedge funds had to liquidate their position, meaning they had to claim their loss because it was going. They, they were going to keep losing money. And even them liquidating their losses, like, like, you know, getting out of their short sell positions, that actually puts the stock price up more. So right. it was, so- it was, it was <laughs> wild, bro. So, so, I mean, you had a lot of people oh, mad. Bro, and that's honestly, crazy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it, it was like crazy because now you have like the big wigs, right? Like the people who are losing these millions and billions of dollars, they're making calls to the SEC. Like, yeah. hey, y'all got to put a stop to this. You know, it's, it's, it's like basically like you playing a game, like, you know, we're like playing Madden and somebody down 28-0 and somebody unplugged the game. <laughs> like, that's basically what they did last week to like stop people from trading GameStop because like people were, people, people were going to keep trading. So you know? here's, my, here's my, my question to you is like the stock market has no problem being the wild, wild west. And there's no rules for the most part. You know, people kind of do what they want in the start market. And it was just super interesting. And this is just me being Joe Blow, right? Just a regular guy. But like, as soon as these hedge fund companies, like they getting hit by like, by millions and billions of dollars, they're like, whoa, 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 whoa. <laughs> that, that's not fair. Like, what are, like, what are your thoughts on that? Like, do you see their perspective or it's like, Yo, this is the game's the game. Like this is you <laughs> like what like what's your opinion on on that? My opinion is I feel like they should have let everything keep going because honestly, man, it's a free market, you know? Right. And that's that's like right. what that's what you know the whole premise of the stock market is is capitalism, free market. Mm-hmm. You can't get mad if you're on the losing side of the coin now. <laughs> Come on, man. <laughs> there you know we go. Saying? Like you know, yeah, it's it's it sucks, but I mean, it only sucks because you're losing money now. Normally, right. the hedge normally the hedge funds are on the other side of that coin. You know, so um, I thought they made the wrong decision, especially Robinhood, right? Because Robinhood oh, built their platform on simplicity and bringing a sense of uh, easy entry to novice investors, right? So you're going to now tell them that you can't trade when the whole point of you creating Robinhood was to let regular people trade. So Not only only that you can't trade, you could sell your GameStop, but you can't buy anymore. Right. Like that's some fucked up shit. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, man. And I mean, like, like that's like unprecedented. And that's why Robinhood is going to get some heavy sanctions, man. Because how can you, first of all, how can you call yourself Robinhood? Like, yo, like, do you realize what your name is? (laughs) Right. (laughs) You know what? I like, I never thought about that until you just said it. I just learned something new new today. (laughs) 
That's crazy. It's like reverse Robin Hood. It's like, <laughs> right? Like, it's like, like no, we, Robin Hood. we not we not stealing from the rich no more. Like this is we shut it off. We done. Right. We done. It's like hood. It's like hood Robin now. It's not Robin Hood. <laughs> like they over that hood Robin. I mean, you know, it's it's yeah. It was it was horrible. But honestly, man, like you know that like at that at that level is kind of above retail investors like ourselves. Yeah. Right? Because now, like, you have different agencies involved. And, like, the ironic part is that some of those same hedge funds that, you know, shorted on GameStop on, on GameStop and went the wrong way, hey, some of those are actual investors in Robinhood. Right. You know, so it's all, like, tied together, man. Like, you know, so, you know, it, it's like, okay, Robinhood is supposed to let let the people do what they want, but if their main investor is telling them, "Look, y'all got to shut it down because we losing money," you know, yeah, it's like you know, you definitely do, you definitely don't, right? So I think Robin Hood was definitely in a in a precarious position, but yeah. I mean, I feel like that's their that's their problem. They should let the people trade, right? So, right. Um, yeah, man. But I mean, so basically, th- that Reddit board. They had a list of stocks that were that were heavily shorted, and GameStop was one of them. AMC was another. Express was another. So basically, the same thing was that happened with GameStop was going to happen with AMC and every other stock that was on that list. So that's why you started seeing AMC quadruple their stock price as well. Um, and then that's when the SEC stepped in and. Uh, try to to, to over regulate, which yeah, is going to cause some major problems now. Because, like you said, man, I mean, you know, that's you unprecedented, man. Like, I, I, I don't, I don't know anything about the stock market, but like, I'm like, like what? Like, how does how does this make sense? Crazy, man. It was it was a it was a it was a crazy week. But so look, so I'm looking at this two ways, right? I'm looking at it from. A certified financial planner perspective, like from my from my professional lens, like I necessarily wouldn't advise my clients to hurry up and get into these what they're calling meme stocks, right? So you know the meme stocks are basically like the GameStops, the AMC's, etc. Like they're bad companies, right? Like at yeah. the end of the day, they're bad companies. Like right. GameStop is a damn brick and mortar games game store in 2021 like nobody's going into GameStop and getting games Two, uh, amc like obviously they're like getting killed by the pandemic and most movies are going digital you can watch them at home so it's like you know these are like like fundamentally these aren't great companies and that's why their their stock prices are pretty low right uh-huh. um so funda- fundamentally like you know, I'm more of a long-term passive investor. So I, I advise my clients, hey, based on your goals, we're playing the long game. Like you don't need to keep jumping into like these like short plays. Like yeah. let's continue to make 10, 15, 20% a year and be comfortable. Um, but the other side of that is I'm really excited about the enthusiasm yes. that I'm seeing from everybody who look like me as it yeah. pertains to the stock market, man. So um, and, and then I mean, like, hey, like, I mean, I know people that have that came up thousands and tens of thousands of dollars off of these trades. Like, I have a hey. classmate. Um, he made a quarter of a mil one day Man. off of that game. Man. Stock 
crazy, bro. bro. Oh, crazy. Could, you, could you imagine this getting 25K? We said a quarter mil. Oh, quarter oh, mil. Oh, oh, 250,000. But Robin Hood put the put the restrictions oh. on and limited how much he could actually profit from. So then when the stock price went down, he couldn't like sell. So it was it was oh. all messed up. It was all jacked up. Oh. Bro, but, like there gotta be some lawsuits behind this. Shit. Oh yeah, absolutely. absolutely Wait, so he man. didn't get, he didn't he wasn't able to get his quarter of a mil because Robin Hood put. Yeah, so Robin Hood did what's called a margin re- requirement, right? And uh, basically, you know what margin is? Uh, margin is like leverage, like meaning yeah. that the brokerage is gonna basically let you kind of over over leveraging, over trade your account and then get the money back later, right? So basically like the brokerage will let you borrow funds so you can trade, right? So normally like the margin requirements are a little bit lower. So for example, like, you know, they'll say, hey, you know, if you have 10,000 in your account, we'll give you like another 5,000 that you could use to like trade with. And 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 if you make a profit, you just give us like a percentage of that, right? Um. So what they did, they raised the margin requirements. So basically it was like, if, if like you have $10,000 that you originally invested, that's all that you could withdraw right now. Wow. Instead of like the entire 250. <laughs> yo! You know, so it was some, yo, yo. yeah, bro. So he was, he was heated, he was pissed. He was trying to withdraw when the stock price was like $400 in Robinhood wouldn't let him because he didn't have enough original investment in his account. That's wild. That is wild, man. That's yeah, wild, man. dog. So like, you uh, ain't hear you ain't hear about stuff like that on the news. Like that's crazy, bro. Oh yeah, man. I mean, yeah. I mean, I would have been pissed. I personally didn't hop in, yeah. uh, you know. But it, but man, it was <laughs> it was just wild to watch. Like, because I, I mean, like I saw regular people make thousands of dollars, mm-hmm. you know, um, and. Hey, I'm all like for robbing, you know, robbing the the rich to to you know give to the common person. So um that aspect, I'm like, look, man, I'm not feeling sorry for them heads from people, like that's on them, you know. Right. Um, and, that, and and that's the risky game they play. They right they are, you know, air Bruce Arians Tampa Bucks, you know, risking no biscuit, you know what I'm saying? Like they're going <laughs> for it, you know what I'm saying? I mean, they're but, like they're like Jameson Tampa Bay. They like they like yeah. going for the juggle, like five thousand yards, 30, 30, 30, 30, baby. <laughs> <laughs> I'll get a touchdown though, you know what I'm saying? Like right. So, you know, but uh, but yeah, man. So, but what we realized was during the pandemic, like there's gonna be a big time shift in how people navigate toward investing, right? It's no longer just about pure fundamentals. Like, hey, this is a yeah. really good company. Like, I really believe in this company, et cetera. Yeah. It's mainly off of hype right now and like yeah, pop- and yeah. popularity. And this new wave of investors that Robinhood has kind of created is definitely going to cause some type of disruption that, you know, people are going to have to adjust to. Like, yeah, there's going to yeah. be companies that are going to have super high stock prices and, and like doing really well financially. That are really shit. They're really shit right. fundamentally. Yeah. Right. Right. So that's what you know would be very interesting to see is how much does it shift, right? Because because now we've seen that the common person can move the market with that, GameStop. That, right. Like, that, that's so fascinating, bro. 
that's so fascinating because like you know a lot of people they say like you know the stock market is just like a you know just number the casino but if it moves more in that direction it's really gonna be a casino you know what i'm saying it's really gonna be like you know all you know it's just like betting on a yep. football game because the you know there's the whole you know warren buffett you know look at who's running the company look at the managers make sure the fundamentals are sound and all that stuff that goes out the window now it's like if we could if we could start a little group get you know get 20 30,000 300,000 people in this little group and just dump money into it we could right. make the game shake because it creates like a it creates like a loop you know like a loop where okay we push the stock you know 50% so mm-hmm. that 50% other people hear about it outside our group and they be like, oh, this thing is going up. Let me get in. Yep. So it's kind of like an ongoing thing that just doesn't stop. And then, you know, the smart people are cash out when it's at the top. Right. And, you know, of course, there's always going to be losers, which I always try to tell people. Yep. I'm not an advisor, but people that ask me about stocks, I'm like, look, man, like, they're all winners. Don't get me wrong, they're all winners, but there's usually more losers than winners. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> Yeah, absolutely, bro. And, and, you know, to that like, point, look, it's always going to be winners and losers on each side of a trade, whether yeah. you're in Forex or the stock market or options. Like, it's always going to be a one, one side wins that trade, one side loses. And to your point about gambling, yeah, I would say currently the stock market is more of an educated guess, right? Yes. Like, you have a lot more information to make educated decisions when it comes to investing. But to your to your point, man, I mean, basically GameStop is, is what you would call a pump and dump, right? right. So a pump and dump is, is essentially you take a stock, get a bunch of people to pour money into it, watch the stock price rise, and then you take the money out, profit off it, and the, the price goes back down. But to your point, again, someone loses. Because someone yeah. is buying at, at, at the top of that market. And then yeah. when and then by the time they're ready to sell, the stock price is back down to shits. So, you know, to that like point, man, there's a um, show called Billions. Um, and, I, and I'm not sure like, you know, who all really, really pays attention to what's going on in Billions. But there's an episode called The Short Squeeze. It's like episode four, season one, I believe. It's literally the exact same thing that happened with GameStop. Wow. <laughs> and it's like explained in that type of episode, man. I love Billions. It's a little bit technical. I won't lie. Oh, I got to check that on, out, man. Yeah, it's on uh, Showtime. Showtime. It's one of, uh, not that I'm giving him any any praise, but it's one of um, Nick's favorite shows. Oh, Nick Underhill. Okay. Yeah. 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 So, um, so yeah, man, like Billions, Billions, um, you know, has, has a lot of, um, you know, similar, similar outcomes uh, to what we've seen happen with GameStop. Like it, it's, you know, it'll probably be more of a, of a, of a better visual representation of what happened. But um, yeah, man, like I think it's going to be a changing of the guard because especially for the people who actually made money, I mean, yeah. You know they're gonna be they're gonna be pushing this, so it'll yeah. be interesting to kind of see how it's regulated moving forward. That, yeah, so yeah. that's my my that was my question to you is that if there's gonna be this shift, and we've already seen like the SEC kind of putting clamps down on this, like what could that mean like in terms of regulations, in terms of like stock? Because 
at the end of the day, like billionaires, millionaires, they became billionaires, millionaires because they're kind of cheap. They hate losing money, right? Mm-hmm. Um, and they're not going to want to see their money just evaporate and go away. Uh, so what are some things that if this kind of, you know, shift of the landscape happened that the SAC, excuse me, SEC might put in place that may prevent the regular man, regular woman from making a come up um, in the stock market like we saw like these last couple of weeks? Honestly, man, I really don't know because either way you go, it's going to be a problem, right? Because if they put too much regulations on, then it's going to be unfair to the retail investors because they're like, look, you know, yeah. you only got like you guys only made these regulations because regular people are winning, you know. So it's like the SEC has has to be real careful with how much they regulate because, you know, part of the whole allure of the stock market is hey, it's a it's a free market, it's capitalism. Like you can invest in what you want, but you can't limit that, you know. So it's it'll be really interesting to kind of see what comes out of this. Um, I think something to come out of it. I just don't know what. So I'm, I'm yeah. like just as curious as you guys to to kind of see what happens. I mean, there, there'll definitely be some Senate hearings. I know Janet Yellen, she's the new uh, uh, Treasury Secretary. She she wants to, you know, dig into this. Elizabeth Warren put out a statement. So there's gonna be some people on, you know, on Capitol Hill, you know, giving testimony and shit like that. Because you know, I mean, I mean, let's keep it honest. The Wall Street, them billionaires, them big millionaires, multi-billionaires, they got friends in D.C. So to just assume that, like, Congress looking out for you and all that stuff, that's just not factual. Like, Oh, yeah, yeah, so they, yeah. They, yeah. They, 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 they put a lot of those rules get put in place to keep the big dudes big. You know what I'm saying? The big banks, you know, uh, too big to fail, like, you know, 2008 and all that stuff. You know, those rules get put in place sometimes to keep the big dogs big and remain big and keep the little guy from getting in there. You know what I'm saying? Yeah, absolutely, man. You hit it, you hit the nail on the head. A lot of these bigger Wall Street, what, what we call institutional investors, right? So this is basically like investors with millions and billions of dollars. Normally banks are financial institutions, right? Or hedge funds. Like these institutional investors have lobbies, right? So they have people on Capitol Hill right now, yeah. like lobbying politicians for, you know, either deregulation or more regulation or like whatever's going to like benefit their pockets, right? So right, right. best believe, like, you know, I don't care what congressman is coming out talking about saying, so, hey, it's unfair what Robin Hood did. There's a lobbyist at their door with 500K right now. Like, look, we need you to <laughs> reverse course. Look, you know, I'm going to send this 500K <laughs> to your pack, you know, your super pack. Right. So like I know we don't I know we don't like to kind of mention it anymore because of like what came out, but House of Cards like gave a pair of cards is a shit. Bro, like I know Kevin Spacey is a is a huge creep, but like you watch you like, oh shit. Like yeah. the politics is dirty. Yeah, dirty. And it was accurate. It was accurate. Yeah, stuff. man. Yeah, bro. Yeah. So, I mean, you like think of something like House of Cards. I mean, that's literally what's going on. Like you got you got, you got somebody who's who's the majority whip or, or whatever. And he uh-huh. has a bunch of lobbyists going meet with him, third party guys with with, you know, pockets full of cash talking about. Some, Look, we need this law passed. 
You know what I'm saying? And so it is it'll be really interesting because again, it was two sides of the coin. It actually was some hedge funds that made money on GameStop. Wow. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. Like, even though the major push was like mainly retail investors, um, for GameStop to move its stock price 800 percent in one week, it that wasn't just retail investors, like it was some institutional yeah. big guys. You know, got up in there, yeah. Yeah, you know, so it's so, man, it was a crazy week, just analyzing all of the different parts. And I'm kind of glad I didn't actually invest because, yeah. I, because I was able to kind of observe everything that was going on from a bird's right. eye view and not have any right. type of emotion on it. Right, exactly. You know be objective. So it was, just be objective about it, looking at it, yeah. Right, right, right. So, yeah, bro, it was, it was, it was a lot going on. I mean, honestly, it's probably still things to, to like kind of be impact, like, unpacked on what happened but um i don't think that's the last time we're going to see a run like that to be honest well let me let me get your thoughts we got to talk about llc twitter who (laughs) tweets always always make me laugh something like oh you you know you working five days a week making five (laughs) thousand making five thousand dollars but yet, like you could have, you could be in Jamaica, uh, you know, obviously pre-pandemic, be in Jamaica for six months, like, but you're not LLC, you're not on my level, you wouldn't understand, like, just oh, you work a nine to five, <laughs> <laughs> like, ew, like, who are you, Ugh, peasant? Like, can you t- can you talk about LLC Twitter and just like, <laughs> just. It, it, it makes me laugh, and usually, like, I end up just blocking them because I'm like, I don't got, I don't got time for this. Like, <laughs> but man, <laughs> man, LLC, LLC Twitter, man, I have a love hate relationship with LLC Twitter. Yeah. Um. So I'm gonna like start with the good, right? So I think the general notion of LLC Twitter is to hopefully empower people, right? Like empower people on the possibilities that are out there right i think there are some good anecdotes that come through llc twitter that you know you may be like hey okay that makes a lot of sense hey i never thought about that let me you know try to do xyz but there's an annoying side of llc twitter that honestly spreads so much misinformation around it's like it gets overwhelming to like correct right so, you know, it's it's like, you know, I think LL, I, I I think the concept is great, but I think people abuse the real purpose of it, right? And yeah. a lot of people who are part of the LLC Twitter Twitter world, I feel like don't really know what the hell they're talking about, to be honest. <laughs> yeah. You know, because I'd be seeing some wild shit on like taxes and businesses and Oh, you gotta do X, Y, Z. You know what I'm saying? My head, like, no, the fuck you don't. Like, it's like, you know, like, like, no, you, no, you, no, you don't. And you can do that shit on your own for in 10 minutes. You know what I'm saying? Like, but I think for like sharing knowledge, I think, I think if you kind of just like search LLC Twitter, like sometimes you'll like find some, you know, you'll like find some hidden, some hidden gems, but you gotta really take a lot of shit with a grain of salt, bro, because a lot of people will say some business related stuff and they don't know the first thing about running a business. So um, 
I would say, man, I mean, I like when people talk about LLC Twitter because like sometimes I get internally offended, yeah, but then yeah. I but then I get their point. <laughs> <laughs> right, because you 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 know you low key, you're a part of LLC Twitter. Right. Facts, you know what I'm facts. But facts. it's become it's become a like a like an epithet, you know what I'm saying, that's used as like to to diss and I don't like that part of it because I I'm not a part of it, you know what I'm saying? I'm just a regular, you know, nine to five dude like everybody else. But you know, you know my dad, you know, my dad a businessman, which kind of always worked for himself. So right. I always kind of got a respect for somebody that just kind of say, you know, I'm gonna take the risk, take my own little money and go and try to make something for myself. I just got a re- lot of respect for that. And I understand the vision long term because especially us, you know, black people in this country, you know, we didn't, you know, we didn't show up in, you know, 1619 or we didn't show up. We weren't able to build this like mass foundation of wealth, you know, that lasts families and families and passed down, you know, a half a million dollars to our children so they could go ahead and start off, you know, start off on a, on a solid footing. And then, it, you know, it becomes just a butterfly effect for the rest of their rest of their uh, generations, you know, their kids and the grandkids and so on. We, we kind of got, we, we, I, I can't even say we started from, from beginning, we had to, you know, start from behind and kind of build up. Right. So, right. so I, I like, I see the vision, you know what I'm saying? I see the vision that all these people that's finally started getting a little money and starting to say, Hey, I want to, you know, I want to flip this money, turn this into something. I'm not, you know, no ceilings, million, billion, whatever. But at the same time, it's like, you know, there's kind of some fundamentals that go with this. Like you can't scheme your way to it. It's not a scheme. Right. It's not a. It's not a hustle. It's just like it's. There's fundamentals to this game that needs to be played. Yeah. So bro. you know. Yeah. I, I, so I. I know. I, I respect it. But what it, as you as an entrepreneur, a young black entrepreneur, you know, own your own business. Like, what is your? What are your like? What can you tell people out there that's just sitting there thinking like? You know, I got all these things I want to do. I want to start my own business, but I'm scared. You know, I might, you know, I might not have enough money for this. I might not have enough money for that. Like, how do you, what do you tell them? How did like you, you made that jump? You work, you like you worked for a company, you worked for a big corporation before, and then you just say, you know what, I ain't doing that. I'm gonna do everything on my own. Like, what? How do you do that? Like, how did you make that decision? Man, honestly, you know, it it like really kind of starts, man, with you know, first finding your passion, right? Um, so for me, luckily, like I've always been like math inclined, numbers inclined, like that, like it just made sense to me. Like it made logical sense. Like even, even from when I was a kid, like yeah. I never had any problems with anything math related, whether it was algebra or whatever geometry, like everything made logical sense and that comforted, that comforted me, right? So I, so I, so I majored in finance all through school. Didn't really know what I was going to do because our man was focused on running track, right? Graduated from Southeastern. And then uh, I went to Clark Atlanta, man. And honestly, going to Clark really changed my life because I was able to really be around black successful men. And, and like, when I say successful, I mean, like, in like the business sense, right? Yeah, like, yeah, yeah. you know, being exposed to people who run their own businesses and, 
you know, have real estate and these type of things. And so, so, you know, I started to get a little curious. I'm like, okay, like, you know, entrepreneurship may be a route that I may want to dabble in at some point, but I'm not, I'm not there yet. So, but me, look, you know, just like anybody else coming out of school, I go get a job. So I, yeah. so I worked in corporate finance, um, what, five years at Capital One. And, you know, that experience honestly prepared me to go out on my own and run a company because essentially what I was doing at Capital One as a financial analyst was I was responsible for creating these budgets for these billion dollar companies, bro. And like, mm-hmm. it was really was up to me to like, you know, walk into a meeting and tell a VP, hey, like we only have $2 million in the marketing budget. You want to spend 2.5, you got to make some cuts, right? And just kind of being around those uh, people with high business acumen, like I started to like pull a lot of stuff, right? So for me, it was more of a natural trans transition because I was already kind of in that ownership type of role. Um, so for me, the transition was a little bit easier because I was able to use those tools that I was learning from corporate America and take them in my own toolbox and go build my own, you know, yeah. uh, shit, you know? So, uh, but I will like say for, for like, you know, the typical person, man, um, start off with a, with a business plan, right? And what that's going to do is that's going to lay out your vision for you, right? Like that's going to lay out the demographic information that you need to understand, that's going to lay out the financial information, the operations, the logistics, the marketing. And if you really take that step to invest the time and or money to create an upfront business plan before you do anything, that's going to let you know if if that business is worth investing in or not. And from there, it's, you know, like you said, building that strong foundation, man. The first four things anybody should do. Number one, create your LLC within within your uh, state, right? Um, Two, get a federal tax ID. Um, Those two things are like, you gotta get those. And then step three, you can use that information that you got from those first two steps and go open up a business bank account, right? And now, okay, now you actually have a business bank account that you can actually run business expenses through, right? Um, and then like, once you kind of do those three steps and you have your business plan, you know, now it's all about one, finding people or companies that are believing in your vision to, you know, give you capital or put up your own capital or go to the bank and get a loan to, you know, have, have, that, startup, have that startup capital that you need. Um, but your business plan to kind of like guide you on like where you'll be at certain points, you know? So, you know, when you, when you like think about the lifespan of most businesses, like that cutoff is about three years. Like most businesses don't make it past three years. If you make it past that three year mark, you, you, you really have a chance to be successful. Cause that means that, Hey, you know, you kind of weather the weather, the storm, you, you like put in the work and now in year four, you should be turning the corner because you have three years worth of experience on how to do things, you know? Um, so I think the main thing, honestly, man, is like, you know, you kind of, you, you gotta give, you gotta give yourself a chance first. I say, start off with getting, getting a professional business plan done. And then normally that first investment is going to fuel you just be like, well, Hey, shit, I already put money into it. 
Let me see it through. Right. That's great. That's great, great advice. Um, I, I feel like we're just giving so much information to, to our listeners and, and gaining them information. Um, what is just kind of just a, a question? This is, you know, we're not trying to pump you for information and, and, you know, giving out any information for free, but like, what is something that you just tell our listeners, you know, just with the whole pandemic and everything that's going on during it, you know, like you said, it's approaching a year, which is absolutely fucking crazy. Um, just in terms of just, like, just overall, just with their, their financials, right? Like, you know, our, you know, our, our listeners span different ethnicities, different, social economic classes, just, just general kind of, I hate to say blanket advice, but like which advice just to give to our listeners as a, like as a whole, just with everything going on right now and the economy and, and with the pandemic still, still being at its heights. Thing number one is that the pandemic definitely showed the importance of having a healthy emergency savings account. Um, You know, typically individuals should have anywhere between three to six months of their monthly expenses saved up in an account that they rarely touch. Um, I think, you know, that aspect is even more important today because of the volatility of the economy right now. Um, You know, like we really don't know what's going to be next. Like if there's going to be another shutdown or another wave of COVID coming through, um, having having a a sound emergency savings account is going to save people a lot of headaches. Um, And I I think with the pandemic, that was definitely proven. Uh, So I think that's the first thing. Um, The second is, you know, don't be afraid to... um, you know, kind of tap into different skill sets. Um, you know, one thing that we, you know, definitely noticed throughout the pandemic is that, you know, hey, like, you know, people are are multi-talented, right? Like, you know, you may be working a job, but, you know, you may have other other talents that you just haven't had time to, to like really tap into. Um, you know, so, you know, some of those hustles, you know, can really turn into, you know, really good second incomes, you know? Um, I know something that actually, you know, kind of helped me out even when I was, uh, you know, kind of like really getting my financial planning firm off the ground, especially after I left my job, man, I Ubered. I Ubered and I, and I, and I drove Lyft. Well I, well, I drove Lyft and I drove Uber for about two years. You know, as I was growing my firm, like it was not pretty, you know, like I wasn't bringing in a lot of money, you know, so I needed yeah. to supplement that. Um, and like things like that were, okay, Hey, I can earn some money and still keep my time flexible. So that was, that was more important to me, you know? Um, but I think just the importance of, you know, continuing to, to, you know, really use our time and our gifts wisely, um, you know, is, 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 is like a big one, uh, having a healthy emergency savings account. And number three, uh, tax planning, man. Um, this is a big one because, you know, um, you know, I've, I've been fortunate to, especially in New Orleans, man, New Orleans is one of those 
uh, heavy <laughs> entrepreneurial cities, man. It's crazy. Yes, it is. Yes. Um, you know, so you know, kind of, kind of being here, I've, I've like really learned some of the, um, some of the disadvantages that a lot of entrepreneurs have with, you know, having access to sound financial planning, sound financial accounting, um, and really understanding how taxes work. Um, how government funding works, right? Like the PPP loans and the SBA loans, like putting yourself in position to, to qualify for that type of stuff. Um, you know, it, it's, it's a lot that we need to continue to educate all, 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 all people on in terms of financial literacy. Um, so I would, I would like definitely say, man, it's, it's you know, um, one thing is I would love to kind of see financial literacy be, taught in every school yeah you know because these are practical things that we all need to understand at at one point or like another yeah and uh speaking of financial literacy i know i don't know if you still i know it's been crazy with the pandemic one thing you was doing you partnered you you partnered with a foundation that you guys were going out to different public schools in new orleans and talking about financial literacy and all that stuff what's up with that yeah, man. So uh, my uh, partner Mia and I formed an organization called Project Learn, Initiate, Teach. And the acronym for it is, is uh, Project Lit. And yeah. we formed it back in 2018. And in 2019, that was our first year doing events. Uh, we did a six-week business summer camp on the west side of New Orleans. And uh, it was amazing, man. We had, we had 75 kids, age range 13 to 16 for six weeks. And we taught them about personal finance. We taught them mm-hmm. about money management. We taught them about business plans, how to, how to create a business plan. Uh, we had guest speakers come in. Uh, so it was amazing, man, to, to just really kind of, you know, give that exposure to, to them, right? And I mean, hey, they may not use it right away, but they're yeah. gonna remember a lot of those tools, you know, um, as they become adults, man. So it was, it was a great first year, and we were going to actually do our second year um, during the uh, camp, and then the pandemic happened, so we had to postpone it. But uh, yeah, man, we're, um, you know, we're, we're like looking to hopefully partner up with a couple of organizations within the city. Um, you know, we've we've had we've had some talks with the New Orleans Pelicans on like doing the joint thing. Mm. Um, so it, it's, it's, you know, it, it's, it, it, has, it has a lot of potential um, to really impact a lot of people, man. And, and, um, not, and really not even just kids. I mean, we, we want to be able to kind of give this type of knowledge free of charge to our adults as well. Um, you know, whether you're um, someone who works, nine, who, who works nine to five or someone who's a full-time entrepreneur, I think there are like certain financial concepts that everyone should be privy to. So um, I'm really glad that we're kind of in this information age right now where information is so available to us that yeah. we don't really have excuses why, you know, we can't be financially sound. No excuses, no excuses. Now, now just to flip the script a little bit, bro, like, like, you know, I grew up with you, bro. Like you, I remember back when I was just like, a, I mean, I was a Saints fan, but I was a teenager, man. I'm trying to see, you know, I'm trying to look, you know, where the females at and all that, you know what I'm saying? But you, <laughs> man, you knew every, like, every single, I'm talking about during the dark days of the Saints. You know what I'm saying? You knew every <laughs> Saints player. 
Every Saints player name, full name. You young, you like eight years old. You know, every Saints player, you had the posters on the wall and all that stuff. So you were diehard Saints fan going back all your life. Um, where, where we at, bro? The Saints, bro. Like, this is a new day, dog. Oh, where we at? Oh, bro. I mean, man, we can we can really start from so many different angles, man. Because I mean, like like you said, I'm a I'm a life I'm a I'm a real Saints lifer, right? Like, I yeah. mean, like I'm talking about before Aaron Brooks, all that. Like, yeah. you know what I'm saying? Like, I'm I'm like talking about the Michael Haynes days. You know what I'm yeah. saying? Like it was. Man. You know, like like we used to really have to go to Biloxi to watch the game because we couldn't set out the damn game. Yeah, could set out the game. Wow. <laughs> blacked out, bro. Blacked, was blacked out. out in the city, bro. Like, that's how much of a fan I am, right? Like, my dad and I used to drive to Biloxi, Mississippi Woo! to watch the Saints game. That's how – because, I mean, my dad would cheat. He, like, he didn't want to, you know, pay the ticket to go to go to the game. So <laughs> we drove to Biloxi <laughs> to watch it. Right. <laughs> But um, you know what, man? So honestly, bro, I I really think, you know, looking at our window, man, um, I feel like it's gonna be real tough right now. And and you know, I'm putting on my Mickey Loomis hat, right? And obviously, you know, we're all fans of Mickey Nomics, you know, pushing yeah. the can down the road. Yeah, and we've pushed that mug all the way down the road. Like it, it's like by the golf right now. <laughs> <laughs> you know, I'm looking at the salary cap, not and, and I get nightmares, bro. Because I mean, Man. you know, even the pandemic, right? Like, you know, it'll be different if if like we if if we weren't in a pandemic, right? Like the NFL revenue is going to get slashed, yeah. so the salary caps are going to get slashed. They're like talking maybe twenty to thirty million that we don't have already, right? You know, so it's um, I think it's going to be some cuts, man. Like I honestly think it's gonna be some some like some 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 diehard Saints guys that we know and love that will not be back next year, and we're in the we're in like a a weird space because we don't need to go into a full rebuild. Oh, yeah, but you know it's like you, you know like we're like like we really are working with our hands tied behind our back, you know, and and I don't know how, like how much more kicking down kick, kicking the can down the road we can do at this point. Mickey said we're gonna find out. <laughs> <laughs> you know, so uh I'm a little concerned, man. Like I, I have I have never been concerned, honestly, in any offseason until now. Even like last year, I felt I, I felt we was good. Like I know Mickey, I I know what he's gonna do with the salary cap. I know whose contract he's gonna restructure. I don't see a clear, a clear, a, a clear path to us to uh, NFC championship right now. Yeah. yeah, that's my honest thoughts. It hurts me to say that, but I, I just I, I just don't see it right now. Like somebody's got to go. <laughs> like I don't, I don't <laughs> you know, like it's it's like you know, at this point, NFC South champions. That's 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 not enough. But the, but 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 the shirt. That's what the shirt said. Since the shirt said the South wasn't enough. Two years ago, and it it, <laughs> it it sure was enough. Um, I think a thing. This is this is the way I I've always I've seen it, and I see it going forward. Is they have they have tough decisions to make in regards to to players, 
Um, and that's what happens when the team drafts really well. And it's, it's kind of like the, the benefit of having an awesome draft class like they did in 2017, like now that's kind of come, you know, kind of come to so because now like the, the, the bills do like the bills do baby. <laughs> when, when you hit on great rookies, the, the greatness about having great rookies is they're cheap, but when they right. get to their fourth year, fifth year, it's like, oh, got to pay up. Um, yep. so, so they got a decision to make on, on Trey Hendrickson. Um, they got a decision to make on Marcus Williams, uh, Ryan Ramchek, Marcus, uh, Marshawn Lattimore. Uh, they got the fifth year options, but they may look to maybe getting them extended early if they, if that saves them money, like in a short term, um, but at the end of the day, it just like this is what I told Ryan, I believe in the last podcast we we recorded, is I very much see that this current Saints team, not you know, from kind of top to bottom, is very similar to how Tampa Bay was last year. Tampa Bay gets the Tampa Bay got, got a quarterback. Now they're playing in the Super Bowl, and like that that was their missing piece. Um, now, if the Saints roll out Jameis, which it, you know, listening to Sean Payton this week on. He kind of did the, the the window wiper of you know doing the interviews and all that. Um, it seems like you know you know they really want to bring Jameis back and more than likely he'd be the starter if he is back. But like like if Jameis is back, I, and I'm just asking this in like just in general. This is not me being a Jameis hater. How many games do the Saints win next year if Jameis is a starting quarterback with kind of like the similar team around him? And the thing is, like, we don't, we don't know. Like, that's the thing about Jameis. Like, that's the, yeah, the yeah. beauty about him. Like, we have no clue. Yeah, and I mean, even with with uh, Jameis, now I think we can make make the playoffs with Jameis for sure. Um, so I'm a, I'm a Jameis fan. I think we can definitely make make the playoffs. I think it's something about getting in the playoffs, right? That something isn't clicking, and I mean, uh-huh. you know. Like, like, and, and I mean, we can, we can, like, you know, kind of throw Drew under the bus with his, you know, his, his like arm and stuff like that. But it's, it's, it's a little deeper than Drew. And I mean, I even want to kind of maybe call out Sean, like, yeah, oh, let's go, let's some go. Of the coaching decisions. Let, let, let the top of say, here it comes, let's go. <laughs> I mean, you know, even like some of the coaching decisions just, just sometimes are head scratches, you know, and. Um, and I mean, just like with personnel stuff, like, mm. oh, you know, like, you know, you got, it's, it's, it's like, you know, second and five and Alvin Kamara just got five. Like, Man, run the goddamn ball. Clearly we're, you know, moving the ball, but, you know, things like that, man, seem like, you know, Sean's ego kind of, yeah. or like his like judgment kind of gets in the way sometimes. Yeah. <laughs> and so, I mean, you know, I don't even know if, if like, you know what I'm saying? It's a player thing at this point, like, like we like we have a real mental block, whether it's coaches, um, coaching philosophies or something. I mean, it works well in a regular season, but for whatever reason, um, we we can't finish the job. So I don't know. I I do think we're gonna make the playoff next year, but I I mean, it's it's like kind of hard to see a path. This <laughs> this is hard to know. It's hard to know. It's like. Like I think with Jameis, it's it's like if okay, it's it's. Uh, I mean, I, I see a lot of Saints fans putting a lot on Sean Payton's shoulders. Like Sean Payton gonna fix him. I'm like, man, look, 
This dude that played five years as a starter and college, and we like we see we know who he is. He is he's who a, he is. He is who he is. Like he's a he's a talented quarterback. He's smart, you know, and he you know he he's aggressive, a little too aggressive, and you know, and he just does some dumb things sometimes. Like I think that's gonna be the case. I think um we I think he's gonna his interceptions won't be as bad. If he starts with the Saints for a full year, not, I don't think he's going to throw 30 interceptions. Mm. But he's going to be on a mid range, like, you know, 15, 16. Yes, for, for sure. And, oh, yeah, and, he's going, yeah. and he's going to give us touchdowns. He's going to give us big plays. But I think he's going to have like the four or five games where it's like, man, what are you doing, bro? Like, Jameis, what, what you doing, though? Like, you know what I'm saying? <laughs> I just think that's who he is. Because, I mean, at Florida State, he was the same way. Like, you have a couple of games, it's like, Jameis, Jameis, what, what are you doing, bro? And I just think that's what it is. And, you know, and, and if, you know, you get to the playoffs, it is what it is. Maybe you got two, three games, two, three games to play. But if you can string together just a run, like, Saints just need a run. A man. run, like, bro. They need, like, they need to be, like, the best team going into January. And they just have not, year after year, they haven't been the best team. Did you know on Twitter I saw that the only, like, the last season of the Saints won more than one playoff game? Was the one the year they won the Super Bowl? God damn! <laughs> like how wild is that? That's crazy, though. <laughs> like for a coach like Sean Payton, everybody consider him like a top five coach. Just for that, and you have Drew Brees all them years. Like that's crazy, bro. That's crazy. It's just like Jarrell said. Like something ain't right. Like something ain't right about that. Like something is missing. It, it, it is. I let me ask. Let me ask Jarrell this. Um, you know, kind of. Being a Saints fan, but kind of like a financial advisor who considers like risk and all that. If you haven't, uh, this is just completely hypothetical. I know I have no inside information, doubt it ever happens. But if the Saints could somehow convince the Texans to trade them to Sean Watson, let's say it took Michael Thomas and four first round picks for a like. Long term, future wise, would that would that trade offer um, be a wise future investment for the Saints? In your opinion, being a fan and also a financial advisor, the fan in me, absolutely. Um, now, the financial advisor side, uh, I would try to not send four first round picks. I would try to see if we could do two, but um, if, I if think you, if Houston says it got to be four, and then we talking like like just steadfast. Nah, I'm I'm not like giving up four. Like I I just feel like you're just handicapping your franchise, and um, I I just nah I wouldn't give up four. Now would I maybe give up another player in a, in addition to two or three? Yes, but. I feel like four draft, four you, first round you, draft picks. You, you, you give up, you give up AK? No, AK is untouchable. <laughs> is, is he though? Is he? AK is untouchable, dog. I mean, That's I mean, a hard one, though. It's a hard one, bro. I like, mean, bro, we don't like, 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 he's literally like, I feel like this generation's Marshall Falk. You know what yes. I'm saying? Like, like, just, just do it all. Like, it's not even about him. Being able to run for fifteen hundred yards, a motherfucker gets us two thousand, a thousand rushing and a thousand receiving. Like 
if if like we know that nobody's open, we can still dump to eight K and you don't know what's gonna happen. He might take it for 10 or he might take it for 80. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Like, yeah. you know, like he's our safety valve, right? He is. But I'm just saying in the in, in the sense of the NFL, even if AK is this year's Marshall Falk, and I, I'm the biggest AK fan you would find, how far how far does a player like that get you in the playoffs? Like ultimately. Because my, my counterpoint is that if you don't have the quarterback, it, it doesn't really matter. Good point. Because it's I think tough. we noticed that with Taysom. And Taysom and AK did not have good chemistry. Ugh. It was so <laughs> bad. I mean, it, it was gross, man. I mean, they, the chemistry. they literally tanked my whole, my whole fantasy league when Drew got It was a wrap. I mean, I, have you ever been maybe having, but like you ever been on a date with someone and like during the date, you like you just block them, and the date's not even over. Like you like, I'm never like, <laughs> like that's how bad their fucking chemistry was, bro. Like it was terrible. Man, it was horrible. Uh, so I definitely feel you on that. Um, so, but I would say AK is untouchable right now. Now, obviously that that can change. Um, I think if we had a Deshaun Watson, we don't we don't we don't need a Mike Thomas. Right. Yes, I I 100% agree with you there. So, yes. So I'm I'm like I'm like cool if 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 like that was the if that was the trade off because because I because I do think you know Sean has a knack for finding receivers late round undrafted yes. yeah. who could come Undraft. in and actually execute the offense. Like they don't have to be like all world. They just need to be able to execute the offense, right? Right. Um. So. I would say, man, I don't, I don't know, man. I mean, honestly, I feel Got like you thinking, everybody, though. <laughs> can, everybody can go. I probably wouldn't trade. <laughs> and I mean, I may, I may get some slack for this. I wouldn't trade Lattimore either. You wouldn't trade Lattimore wouldn't for, for, for Deshaun Watson like in a deal? Well, I, I would I said I wouldn't. I said well, I wouldn't. I, like if I had to well, give up Lattimore I, for him, I probably well, I wouldn't. Just, I get Lattimore ass. I'll drive Lattimore to fucking <laughs> pull my step, boy. I'll be on the 110 so fast, bro. <laughs> yep. Nick, nigga, you got your bag? Let's go. Bro, y'all, bro, I feel like as Saints fans, we forget we, so fast. Come on. Like, like, I get it. Like, we don't remember the Jason Davids. I get it. He tore up Aaron Rock or Aaron Rodgers, though. Shout out. <laughs> Shout out to Jason. But look, I, I, bro, look, listen, I'm Jason David, you know, Fred, Fred Thomas. Thomas. Oh, Brandon 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 Brandon. Brandon. oh my I'm, God. It's like, man, but, but just that but, quarterback position, though, boys. But, can, can, all right, all right, Rel, can you name me the Chiefs starting cornerbacks in the Super Bowl? Who? The Chiefs are the cornerbacks. Let's, let's, uh, list them out. List them out. Uh, uh, Brandon Brandon Carr. He's on one of them. Is right? it? No, I don't think so. Brandon Carr been in the league. Don't think so. He's like 30 years. I think he's one of them. <laughs> he's not a starter. No, he is not he's one not? of the starters. No. Oh, shit. Well, I, I forgot. Him. <laughs> <laughs> Come on, man. But can you name the starting quarterback of the, of the Chiefs? Oh yeah, Chad Henney. <laughs> <laughs> I'm saying he did win a playoff game. He, he did. Win a playoff game. 
Um, nah, before, we, man, but, uh, before we let you go, I want to talk about I want to talk about Crave, man. I know, I, I mean, obviously, probably right now with the pandemic, it's not open. Um, but when it does open, it sounds like Ryan and I have an invitation to come and host a live show. I'll be enjoying mini Cadillac margaritas as we're recording. Uh, you don't get out here with the margaritas and shit. <laughs> have you never? Have you, you had know, a Cadillac margarita? Do you know what a Cadillac you know, margarita is? And get you a real drink, nigga. Do, a Cadillac margarita is a male's drink. Thank you very much. <laughs> Fuck you. <laughs> Anyhow, as I was saying, talk to me about about Craig. Yeah, man. So um, this was actually an idea that actually birthed during the pandemic, right? So um, I uh, came across a spot on the West Bank of New Orleans in uh, Gretna. Uh, it was a neighborhood bar. Um, actually had ties to the owner as well. So um, went to him. He was he was looking to uh, sell, and the timing was was all right for me in terms of like, hey, you know, I'm not. I don't, I don't have to open it right now, like, but I want to renovate it and just, you know, kind of have a, a nice grown and sexy spot on the West Bank. Um, we don't really have that. So um, spent most of the pandemic renovating it. Uh, it's, it's beautiful. Um, you know, so we're like, we're like ready to go as soon as the governor opens us up. But uh, it's, it's, it's going to be a grown and sexy, um, you know, bar slash lounge, a lot of good seating, a lot of great lighting. And, you know, it's going to be really good for things like networking events, uh, mixers, podcasts, things like that. So we would definitely, definitely love for you guys to come in, host a show, um, maybe video, videotape it, man, you know, create the ambiance. And um, yeah, yeah, man, it'll be, it'll be really uh, dope. So you guys have that invitation whenever you're ready. Man, would y'all just wear your masks? Social oh. distance, do whatever you gotta do so we can get this shit out of the way. Come on, so man. we can go back to normal. I can go to Crave. I could, you know what I'm saying? We can have our podcast, bring the whole Saints Twitter. So we'll bring the whole Saints Twitter to oh, Crave. Just do it up. Everybody, all the, everybody know from Saints Twitter being there, and we just act a fool talking Saints, just clowning. You know what I'm saying? Like, that's what I want to see, man. So, unless everybody. Unless you're blocked, like you're still invited, but please don't make it weird when you talk to me. I appreciate that. That's your problem. That's your problem, bro. That's your problem. You're gonna have have the people up in Korean block. That's funny, man. That's funny. Yeah, but but no, man, that would be great. And uh, it, so I'm actually gonna be starting a podcast soon as well. Um, mm. oh, it's gonna be called Aggressive Intelligence. Okay. Oh. You know, and uh, we're going to be covering, you know, similar, similar, similar topics that we're covering right now. So it's going to be uh, business focused, but for the culture, you know, so we're yeah. going to be talking about uh, a lot of relevant things um, to that, that like, matter to everyday people as it pertains to money, finances, business, culture, and really kind of fusing all of that together to kind of, you know, just, just like really be a great resource for people to you know kind of be to, to be their best their best selves man so um so yeah we're, we're going to be hosting that from crave as well um probably starting next month so um but i mean we'll have we'll have the couches warm for you guys whenever you guys want to come down and uh you know kind of do a session man guys want to bring on some special guests whatever you want to do uh you know we'll love to have you guys 
Love it, Brian. Uh, I just wanted to, you know, plug Millennial Financial Solutions again. Like I said, you know, full disclosure, there is some bias. Terrell is my cousin, but knowing him all his life, good dude, honest dude, you know, you know, a God-fearing man, family man, got a child on the way, you know, Congrats, just you know, somebody I somebody I trust. Like I don't trust. I trust very few people, but like with my finances or whatever, I know I can go to him and it's me and him. You know what I'm saying? It's me and him talking about finances, telling him the low down and dirty of my finances. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> so, you know, like, you know, you could trust, you could trust Jarrell if, you know, you want to do some financial planning, deal with your taxes, business planning, all that stuff. I vouch for him. Like, you come to me, you come to me if you got a problem, like, because I know that Jarrell, you know, he's a stand-up dude. So, you know, definitely check that out. Check out, you know, whatever Crave Lounge. You know, if you follow me, I'm definitely going to promote it. You, know, you can follow Rel. Uh, put out your Twitter, Rel. Sure, y'all. So my Twitter, well, wait, what the hell is my Twitter name? Uh, really, really, really underscore uh, Rel7. Yeah. Yep, that's it. Like some, you know, hood name that I ain't never changed. So <laughs> it's, uh, yeah, really underscore Rel7, as Ryan said. I'll probably update it at some point, but I'll keep that for right now. Uh, <laughs> Instagram is uh, jbutler718. Uh, that's my personal Instagram. Uh, you can also follow my business page on Instagram as well, Millennial Financial. Millennial had two L's and two N's in it. That's a common misconception. Well, I'll be struggling. I'll be struggling, bro. You know how many times I looked at Darrell's email, like email address you sent me? Like, wait, <laughs> is this right? <laughs> right, right. So yeah, guys, you can follow me on uh, social media at Millennial Financial. We're always posting finance tips um, every week. Uh, we're doing uh, insightful videos about what's going on. Uh, I'm going to release a video on the whole GameStop thing uh, next okay. week and a couple of other things as well. So, uh, yeah, man, you know, we, you know, we're, we're like all about providing free, free content where we can. Um, I believe, you know, content should be free for the most part. You know what I'm saying? Like, like, you know, just kind of being able to give that information back to everybody. Now you're going to pay for the 1% if you need me to do something, but at <laughs> 99%, you know, we, we like to kind of give all that out to the people and uh, do as you will with it. But uh, and also you can follow Crave Lounge on Instagram as well and Twitter. The handle is the same Crave with a K, K-R-A-V-E Lounge Nola. And that's the Instagram and the Twitter. Um, so if you guys are in New Orleans at any point post pandemic, hopefully, um, and, you know, kind of want to come in, vibe out, catch a drink have some nice vibes, you know, definitely swing on us. Let's go. Let's go, man. Rel, appreciate you coming on. Uh, I learned a lot, you know, especially regarding the stock market. We, you know, loved having you on. Great, insightful conversation. Uh, we want to get, you know, at some point for sure, we'll get you on again. Hopefully post-pandemic we'll be out about, be in there in Crave and get you on again just to talk about, you know, whatever, man. But it's a pleasure having you on. Please, if you're, if you're listening, follow Rel on Twitter, follow him on Instagram, follow Crave, uh, follow Millennium Financial. Um, Rel, we appreciate you coming on, man. It was, it was great. Great talking to you. 
Absolutely, Adam. I definitely appreciate the invite, man. We'll like definitely, definitely do this again. Uh, you know, maybe when some some uh, Saints news pops off or something like that. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> kind of coming you. in debate if uh, right. economics is still a thing. <laughs> Listen, oh, we, yeah. we, we can go there some dark times, boys. It's cold out here. <laughs> 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 we we going we gonna see what's out there. Um, this is coming. Shit, it's here. White Walker, the contracts of Brandon Brown and Jarius Bird about to pull up like a White Walker, just, <laughs> just right on memory on airline. Oh, <laughs> man. Not Jarius Bird. We're going to get you out of here, man. Thanks so much for coming on, Rel. We really appreciate it. Um, everyone else, uh, we'll have more content coming, as, as always. Um, at some point, I guess, when the Super Bowl happens this Sunday, Ryan and I will talk about it. But as always, we've got more content coming. We're going to do another um, prospect breakdown. We're going to get a poll up. I'm going to put it up probably tonight in regards to who you guys want us to watch for uh, college prospects for the draft. And with that, we're going to get out of here. With that, we're out. Peace. Save big on Brunch for Mom, all in the Kroger app. Get 16-ounce packs of flavorful Angus 90% Lean Ground Sirloin for $4.99 each with a digital coupon. Then buy two, get two free on 12 packs of delicious Coca-Cola, Pepsi, or 7-Up, all with your card. Shop these deals at your local Kroger today. Or tap the screen now to download the Kroger app to save big today. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Prices and product availability subject to change. Restrictions apply. See site for details.